All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Let's Get It. Chase Martos, Justin Helms here. And folks, please help out the show by liking and subscribing to our page on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at LGI underscore podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, uh, like, like I said, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, any of the uh, streaming radio or podcast sites you have, you can stream us thanks to Anchor. But for today's show, what we're going to do is give our preview for the national championship game. We are just uh, one day away. We record here on a Sunday. We're a little late, but we want to get uh, our thoughts on this game. What we're going to do here for this is we're going to give our keys to the game. We're going to give three keys for Alabama. We're going to give three keys for Georgia. And then at the end of the, the, end of this, we're going to give our picks for the game, what we think is going to happen, and so on. Okay, Justin, diving right in here. Let's go. Let's start with Alabama here because obviously they're two and a half point underdogs, which uh, is surprising for me considering that they just won by 17 points. Uh, I don't know how much you take into consideration. I don't, I'm not going to make any excuses for Georgia. I'm not going to um, take anything away from Alabama. I'm surprised that they're two and a half point underdogs in this game, considering they just won by 17 points. Yes, you can take into consideration. You can take into consideration that it's hard to beat a team twice. You can take into consideration that there's no John Mechie, which is going to be huge for Alabama. But when you beat a team by 17, excuse me. Yikes. Okay. When you beat a team by 17, it's, Kind of surprising that you're going to be two and a half point underdogs, but let's go ahead and give our keys for Alabama in this game, starting with number one pressure Stetson. When we saw Stetson Bennett in this game, uh, I would even I would even say not necessarily pressure Stetson. I would say force him to stay in the pocket. Be- I would say that because. When you, when you force him to sit in there and hold the ball for too long, that's when he'll make some questionable throws, in my opinion. And, and I agree with that to an extent. Like, it, there's two sides of it. Pressure Stetson is not only pass rush and getting to Stetson. It also means that you pressure him by doing such good coverage downfield, you force him to do some throws that he's not comfortable with, that he's going to have to – really fit things into tight spaces and stuff like that. And, and that, that also goes along with pressuring Stetson. It's just in a different way, but regardless, force him into uncomfortable situations. If you sit back like Michigan did and what they ran like six DBs, like five, six DBs half the time and just try to pass rush. It's not going to work, especially when you don't have the talent to beat Georgia's offensive line. We saw what happened to Aiden Hutchinson. We saw what happened to Ojabo. They just weren't getting through. Like, they just – they were not (laughs) pass rushing at all. Like, one-on-one situations, they were losing. So, it was like – it was – and I think that was the biggest thing. And then the few plays that you did see Stetson get pressured and he ran around and stuff like that, I remember there was one play, I think it was like second quarter, where he got pressured, Stetson ran out to the right and threw a pass that looked absolutely horrendous. Like it was like, it, I, I thought it was going to get picked and it didn't, whatever, whatever, they moved on. 
And and those are the types of plays that you see out of Stetson that you know you could take advantage of. Like he will, if you get into his face and pressure him and make him move or or just put him in a spot where he has to actually be a quarterback that's going to win you a game, especially when they're down. As soon as Stetson gets down, that's when he really, I think he gets into his head. And then he starts making bad throws and you pressure him on not only in coverage wise, but pass rush wise. And he, and he does dumb stuff. Like, and, I, and it's like, it's hard for me to not feel comfortable when Stetson is at quarterback, because every time we've played Stetson at quarterback, Bama has played them. It's been a win with the same formula, just get to him. And he's going to throw a pick eventually. So I think that is the number one rule. I, that, that's got to be the number one rule is just pressure Stetson. I think that's going to be really big. Of course, Will Anderson is going to have his, his work cut out for him. I think once again, Dallas Turner, and I would like to see Christian Harris get in there. He's usually our blitzing linebacker. If we blitz anyone from the middle linebacker spot, the only thing I'm scared of is if Georgia decides that they want to use um, Brock Bowers or James Cook as a passing option more than they were the first time, Christian Harris will be occupied. Christian, that's, that's his job, usually covering that running back, coming out the backfield, things like that. So I think, but last time, Georgia was more keeping their running back into block. So it just gave us a chance to be able to actually blitz Christian Harris and send him in there and everything like that, rather than waiting in coverage. Cause I promise you, he's not covering Brock Bowers. He's just not. So <laughs> unless they, unless Georgia figures out a way to stop that pass rush or the pressure and, and they were doing it in the first half of the sec championship, the second half when the linemen got kind of, you saw the lineman got fatigued. Willie Anderson started breaking in Dallas Turner and it just became like it was downhill from there. So I think Stet pressuring Stetson is definitely the absolute most important because if Alabama can get that ball back and, and Stetson throws a pick or he fumbles or whatever, whatever, that's when the game gets out of hand. And to your point about uh, getting to him in the second half, it's, getting to him in the second half. That's when I feel like one thing that I heard on the SEC network yesterday during the college football playoff media days was they were talking a lot about Georgia and the fact that, yes, they've had the most complete games out of anybody in the nation this year. Yes, they've really dominated more than anybody has this uh, season. They haven't really had to play a lot of four quarter games the only two fourth quarter games they've played are uh, Clemson in the first game of the year Alabama and the SEC championship and they almost seemed a little bit tired I didn't necessarily I don't know if I necessarily saw that I don't know if I necessarily I never really thought that it was because they were tired I just thought that it was because they got frankly out coached in that game I thought that they got outplayed in that game they weren't as ready to go I thought they overthought a lot of the play calling in that game and so that's why I really think that it was I don't necessarily think that it was that they were out of shape in that game I think that Georgia is one of the most in shape teams in college football to tell you the truth I I, I don't think that that was necessarily the case but back to my original point pressuring Stetson is also you got to get ahead if you're Alabama, in my opinion. 
Stetson had a great game in the Orange Bowl. He was he had the best game of his career. He was he threw some dots. He uh, managed really well. The whole offense was really just efficient in that game. And for the whole game, they were they were ahead. They dominated from the first snap of the game, and he played great. But when they were down against Alabama this year, last year, he wasn't great. And he forced a lot of throws. And he, um, the offense was stagnant. And that's, that's, a, that's also a part of pressuring Stetson. It's not just about uh, keeping him in the pocket. It's not just about um, coverage downfield. It's not just about switching your coverages and bringing all these blitzes. It's about make Stetson beat you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's for Stetson to win the game because when Stetson is put in that position where he has to pull your team out, he has proven multiple times he can't do it. And that's when people start getting mad and calling for JT and everything of the sorts, which I don't even want to get into at this point. We know JT's not being seen. He's not playing. Like, I, I don't I, – like, I honestly – I'd be surprised if Bama prepares for JT. And and I think for the SEC championship, they had to. But this time, I, I wouldn't it's not be happening. surprised if they're not – No need to they're talk not about it. It's not JT. happening. But, um, yeah, like, sets I, – and I get what you're saying. And, yes, it, it does come with – him being down and everything like that too, of course. And I think the other part of it that I think kind of goes into it is just the fact that his receivers aren't as open as they are against teams like, like Michigan or, or Auburn or these other teams you're playing. Like they're, the coverage isn't as tight and in Alabama has struggled all year coverage wise. But once again, like I said, going into the sec championship, there's not many receivers on Georgia that I feel like scare me to the point other than Brock Bowers. I won't lie. Brock Bowers scares me, but there's not many receivers on Georgia that scare me to the point where I feel like, Oh yeah. If lad McConkey's lined up one-on-one with Kool-Aid, he might lose. I don't see that. If lad McConkey's lined up one-on-one or, or, or Jermaine Burton's lined up one-on-one Kool-Aid McKinstry or, or even Kyrie Jackson who, who came in and played great in the Cincinnati game, but I, I don't know how, how, much of that we're going to see because that's the first time we've really seen Kyrie Jackson over an extended period. And that was because Jalen Armour Davis is hurt. I'm not sure his injury status for this game. It didn't look good in the Cincinnati game. He came in and tried to play and it just, you could tell he wasn't fully there, but um, I, I just, I don't, none of those guys really put fear into my heart or, or, or into, I think, Alabama DB's heart where they have to actually, like, adjust or stuff like that. So it forces Stetson to throw, have to throw better throws. Like, once again, he has to absolutely be the one that beats you. And unless Brock Bowers, of course, I think the two receivers that could absolutely just change that, Brock Bowers and James Cook, I said this, James Cook versus Christian Harris is a mismatch every time. Oh, Christian Harris is very is very lacking in coverage especially against fast guys he's he's a fast linebacker but he's not as fast as that like you know what i'm saying yeah and we saw christian harris get burnt by james cook last regular season so 
I mean, those are the two receivers that scare me. But other than that, I think that adds to the thing of pressuring Stetson. You pressure him to throw better throws. You pressure him in the pocket, make him force move around and stuff like that, or even force him to stay in the pocket where he just gets enclosed in, good coverage downfield, all those other things. And to your point about um, Georgia becoming tired in the fourth quarter, I I think it is part of a factor. I think it is because I, I told you this. Remember back when Alabama was whooping everyone, that one year when Tua had started and everyone thought Tua was going to win Heisman, we were putting up 50, 40 points on everybody and no one was barely even scoring on us. And our defense wasn't even that great that year. It was it was good enough to get us by, but it didn't matter. People, teams could score 20 and we would score 60. It didn't matter. And a lot of times Tua in the offense or, or most of those guys barely even played a fourth quarter all season. I think going into the Clemson game, because that was the same year that Alabama got whooped in that in that national championship against Clemson. Going into that Clemson game, I think they said Tua had played two fourth quarters all season. And that showed he couldn't it, he couldn't play a full fourth quarter game. Our whole team couldn't play a full fourth quarter game because they hadn't been doing it all season. They had been whooping people and then sitting on the bench for the last 15. So it was just that does. I do think that comes into play, of course, against Kirby is the type of guy where he's not he's not really going to bench players when it comes to the fourth quarter. Like Obviously, not. Yeah. Yeah. Not often. <laughs> Like he's, he does not care. He will keep you in there. So I don't know how much that will affect Georgia, but I know for Bama that was a thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if that does somewhat affect the game. I like to, I would like to think that Georgia has learned from that. I would like to think that now that they have that, that four, third, fourth quarter game, that they're able to, to learn from that. I, I think that in this game, in this, game against Michigan yes for the final six seven minutes of the game it was the second team defense that was in the game but the offense stayed out for basically the whole game and main frankly the defense did too and I think that that was sort of a learning experience as well uh look it's it's easy to say take the starters out when you're ahead by 40 and it's easy to blame coaches when a player gets hurt when you're up by 35 at the game. But it's true. You have to be able to learn to um, play a fourth quarter game. And I think that I think that that is, yeah, I've, it is it is a problem. It is, it is something that Georgia had to learn from, but I like to think that they were able to learn from it. Okay, let's give one key for Georgia in this game, and it kind of goes back to the pressuring Stetson thing. Limit the third and longs. In this Michigan game, they, Georgia was great on third down because they were able to, especially early on in this game, they were able to get to a lot of third and ones, third and twos, uh, third and five. You've got to be able to um, get – get a lot of chunk, not necessarily chunk plays on first and first and second down, but you got to be able to get um, re manageable second and third downs because, you know, whether that is the screen game, whether that is run punch the ball up the middle with Zamir, whether that's um, screen pass, you know, like I said, screen plays, you've got to find a way to get to manageable second and third downs so you're not putting yourself in that situation to where you have to throw it on third down or you have to throw it deep on third down 
because third down efficiency, like we said, going into the Michigan game has been a struggle for Georgia. And especially in that Alabama game, they were only 25% on third down. So getting, getting into those manageable third and third downs instead of manage instead of third and nine, third and 10, third and 11 type situations, you've got to be able to find a way to um, get to the third and twos, third and threes. Exactly. Like you said. And then the other thing that, that goes into that is, is you got to limit penalties. I think Alabama had a lot more penalties in that game. If I remember right, it was about, I don't think, I don't know if it was a lot more, just when I remember that game, there was a lot more flags thrown for Bama, but there was the problem with Georgia's is that theirs were in key moments. Like you can't be on first, second down, and or second down and five and you're you're trying to go and everything like that and then you have a false start or you have a legal formation and things like that like those are the things that put you behind the sticks and now it's third and 15 and now it's third and 10 or third and eight and things like that that just ruined the play that you just had before that maybe gained four or five yards and things like that so I think that that both of those things go very much into it and then of course the Georgia has to throw things in front in front like I think a lot of times is that you see like you said the screen plays or the side to side you see a lot of like screen passes or wide receiver screens or like bubble routes and things like that like keep things in front of you that was one of the things that I hated back when Lane Kiffin was the offensive coordinator for Alabama everything we did was side to side side to side and then when people get packed behind the line and now you're behind the sticks like it sucks like you can't go anywhere so I think that that is another thing that the offensive coordinators are going to have to figure out a way to get receivers open downfield, because if you get them open short field and ask them to to make a play, Alabama is good at being able to get guys to a hat, like four or five guys to a hat before they can really boom something off. So I think that that is important. And then I think the other thing for that is establishing a running game if you go from first second down trying to pass and now your first and second down passes are incomplete and now you're in third and ten that that sucks you have to at least get at least attempt the running game get four or five yards in the first two plays and then deal with the third and five where you have to pass it's it's okay if you only got two three yards on those two run plays because now you're in third and five rather than trying to try in third and eight because your first two passes didn't go the way you wanted. Right. So I think that goes into play calling as well to an extent. Of course, Todd Monken is going to have to be a little bit creative with that and everything like that. And I think going to have to find a new way to run the ball because I think that is just going to be super important once again. Even though the first game didn't have much running, I think that this game you will see a lot more of a running game from both teams. I really do. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I do think that you we saw the third downs absolutely murdered Georgia. I think that's when Stetson threw his pick. I'm pretty sure that's when um, I think he, that's when he threw both of his picks, honestly. And then it was it was also just you saw a lot of long third and 16s and everything like that. And you just and now you're in a bad punting situation. You're forced to do something crazy. So, yeah, I, they, Todd Monken is going to have to get creative with the play calling. No side-to-side stuff. I don't think that is going to work against Bama. They have fast guys who can run sideline to sideline and find a way to, even if it's not a, a conventional running game where you just turn around and put it in the running back stomach and just hope he just gets a few yards, find a way to get some short yards 
rather than having to take 10 chunk yard plays. And of course that comes when you're not down. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to find ways to get the ball to your playmakers, whether that is Lad McConkey, whether that is uh, James Cook. Sorry, feeling a little under the weather this morning, but find a way to get the ball to your playmakers in that situation. But and, and move Brock Bowers around. That is that is going to be so important. If you get Brock Bowers in a mismatch situation, abuse it every time. We saw from the first game, Brock Bowers put up almost, what was it, like 160 yards or something crazy, 139 on 10 catches, so, and a touchdown. Move him around. He, there's not many guys on Bama that I think can cover him one-on-one. I don't trust Henry Toto. I don't trust Christian Harris. DeMarco Helms did good on one play when he got that pick. But other than that, there's not many times Brock Bowers is getting covered up. So I think that is going to be huge, especially on third down situations. He's a big body to get it to. All right, let's get to our second key for Alabama. And what I have, what I wrote and then you wrote a little bit more is I wrote, find a wide receiver two to step up. And you wrote creative offensive play calls. Mm-hmm. The reason why I put wide receiver two to step up is, you know, stat wise, John Mechie was probably the wide receiver one in this situation in the season. But I really think that it was Jamison Williams for most of this. I think he was sort of the key to that offense, um, really being the big the big playmaker for this offense. Mm-hmm. John Mechie was able to do a lot of the dirty work. He was able to to really obviously help yeah shift coverages and stuff and when he went down it was really big for Alabama and it was really able it really helped Georgia in making adjustments in the SEC championship really helped with uh, Cincinnati they were already going up against what I think was the best one-two punch in the nation at cornerback in Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant but you know get creative you know last game they were able to get create get going in the run game brian robinson had um, almost 200 yards in this game rushing he was able to um they were able to have some success on the ground but they're going to face georgia's offense or defense who specializes in stopping the run so brian robinson will not be able to have that same kind of success he had three and a half yards per carry in the sec championship and he's going to have that same sort of struggle. So in this situation, you're going to have to find a wide receiver too to step up, whether that's Slade Bolden or whether that's Jacory Brooks or whether that is a lot to tight end. You've got to have somebody who's going to help uh, threaten in, in the uh, threaten that Georgia secondary to where they can't just double cover or stop uh, James Williams. You got to find somebody else who's going to threaten that Georgia secondary. And and I agree. And, and that's why I kind of, in the second part that I put on it was creative offensive play calls. And I think they go hand in hand. In order for a wide receiver two to step up, you have to, Bill O'Brien has to draw something up where teams can't just stare at Jamison Williams. Of course, there's part of it that comes onto the receiver's part. Ja'Cory Brooks, um, who's most likely going to be out there. JoJo Earl, I think that would be the second, will be the third guy we'll see out there. And then maybe a little bit of Trayshawn Holden. I'm not expecting to see a ton of him, but maybe a little bit of him. 
those guys are going to have to win their one-on-ones in coverage. When you see only one guy is on you, you have to beat them. You have to beat them because Jamison Williams will most likely have a guy over top of him and a guy underneath him on almost every single play because he's just that type of player that can take the top off of your defense. And as soon as he does, we saw in the, the first game, as soon as he took the top off on that one play, that's kind of when the, the going got started for Bama. So I, I don't, I don't think that was well, not even, I don't think, I know that we have that Bama has receivers who can do that and, 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 and beat coverage and everything but this is where it comes in with the creative offensive play calls. Bill O'Brien has to stop drawing up plays that are literally only meant for Jamison. It seems like half these plays are literally meant like, okay, Jamison's not open. Now it's Bryce scrambling and seeing if someone can just happen to get open or he's running around or it's a, a short pass to, or, or uh, a drop off. It doesn't seem a lot of times like there really is a second read in some of the play calls, which really frustrates me because guys like Latu, Billingsley, Ja'Cory Brooks, like these are good guys. Like these are receivers that have shown you great things in the past. So for you to just not use them, I'm not sure what is going on. Latu, I understand he has somewhat of a fumbling problem sometimes, but other than that, in the red zone and on third downs, situations where you need a big body, Figure out how to use law to he, he's proven he can do it multiple times. So this is where I say creative offensive play calling, draw some things up that are going to confuse Georgia, that they can't just stare at Jamison the whole game, maybe set them up for a game. You do a few run plays, find out some play actions that you like, give them some looks that they're just not used to, and then find a way to get some guys open because Mechie is that guy. Like we said, Mechie was that guy to do the dirty work. He's going to get you that third and eight. He's going to do the, the short passes in the middle, the things like that, that get other players open where you have to realize that, oh, we can't just stare at Williams. We can't just stare at this guy and things like that. So I think that more than of course wide receiver two stepping up is huge but I think in order for them to be able to step up the play calling has to be there first because I'm telling you it seems like a lot of these plays are drawn up of like okay Jameson's first read and then after that whoever's open like I'm like dude like you gotta you gotta find some way to do better to get these guys open run run some legal pick plays and things like that so and it's going to be harder for Alabama to be able to um, – I would like to think it's going to be a lot harder for Alabama to be able to um, give Bryce all the time in the world considering both of their uh, right side of the offensive line was injured that looks like they're going to play in this game, according to Nick Saban. But it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle. And I, I like to think that, you know, Georgia would be able to um, – Get to Bryce Young a little bit more to where he's not going to have enough time to uh, look around to see who's the next open receiver and just have the first read to Jamison Williams. Because from an outside fan who's not an Alabama fan, it it looks like that. And it it looks like what you've said about, you know, Jamison Williams drawing a play specifically for him because it, it looks like he and Bryce Young or that offense. And it's looked like that for most of the season. That's why it was shocking to see that John Mechie was the leading receiver for, for the season, but mm-hmm. you look at them catches. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to be able to find somebody else. Ja'Cory Brooks really stepped up there in the cotton bowl. Uh, he had four catches and touchdown. 
including the, that long play there early on in the game. Yep. Yeah, you, you have to find somebody there that is going to step up. You've got – it doesn't even have to be one player. It could be everybody. It, it's it some, a group effort. Yeah, it's got to be a group effort. you got to find at least one other person who's going to help Jamison Williams in this game. Mm-hmm. But – in order to stop Jamison Williams for Georgia, my second key, stick to what's worked all season long. I'll start defensively. I thought they completely overthought. I thought they completely outsmarted themselves with that defensive game plan um, in the SEC championship game. You look at a lot of the pressures that have come from Alabama this year. They have come from the outside. That's when Bryce Young gets sacked. That's when Bryce Young is, is pressured more keeping him in the pocket, not allowing him to extend on extend the plays and dump off uh, certain uh, dump off the ball and get yardage. Because I, I think of one specific play, Georgia blitzed up the middle so much and what that allowed, they didn't contain Bryce Young in that situation. And what that allowed was for him to bounce outside yeah. and make BS plays like shuffling the ball to John Mechie, who gets a 20 yard gain there that leads to a touchdown you've got to be able to keep him in the pocket not allow him to stick um, make play or extend plays and in order to do that you have to stick to what's worked all season long you've got to do more man-to-man in my opinion and I think that with John Mechie out you are free to do that stick to more man-to-man and then offensively run the ball run stop don't don't get away from the run so early in both Alabama games the past two Alabama games for Todd Monken he has gotten away from the run and yes they were down in the game but in in some of these situations they're down in the game but there's still plenty of ball left to play and you're able to use Samir White you're able to use James Cook Kenny McIntosh so use them I and I agree I think both Bama and Georgia flew away from their running game so quick in that game. They, they, they tried a couple, two, three runs, and it was just like, okay, that's not working. We're not even going to go there, and they stopped. And it, I think it's even more, of course, and way more important for Georgia because that's, that's, like you said, stick to what you know. That's been y'all's identity is running the ball in defense, and then Stetson is just an add-on a lot of the time, and except for that Michigan game, of course. But – um. So I, I do think that running the ball is going to be huge. I'm not. And I think running the ball towards the edges is where Georgia needs to try that because it seems like a lot of the times in that Alabama SEC championship, the Alabama Georgia SEC championship, it was like, it was like a lot of like, they tried some runs up the middle. This is getting stuffed. Like, and, and, and Phil Mathis and Henry Toto, they can stop a run up the middle. And Will Anderson, he will tackle you for a loss and everything like that. But there has been times that Dallas Turner and Will Anderson on the edge can get sealed off on the edge during run plays. Like we've, I've seen it happen. Like I've, I've actually witnessed it. So I'm not sure why Georgia hasn't seen that. I don't know why they don't use that to their advantage, especially with a guy as fast as James Cook. Even if, even if Will Anderson can get off his block, a guy like James Cook might be past him already by, by the time that that happens. So yeah. I just – I think that running towards those edges, not running up the middle, which I 
I wouldn't say Alabama's strength, but running up the middle is just not something that has worked for many teams all season on Alabama. On Alabama. Running at those at your tackles using what's it, Salyer and um, Warren McClendon. The other one, Warren McClendon. Yeah, McClendon using Salyer McClendon seal off the edges, maybe have a tight end come down to help with Will Anderson and stuff like that. And you can get on that edge and, and maybe break off a big play and things like that. So I think that the run game, of course, is going to be super important. I'm not sure if Bama is going to be able to get the run game. And then, like you said, stick to what you know. On defense, I don't think you have this in your keys. I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, okay. This goes into my third key for Bama. On defense, blitz. <laughs> All season long, Georgia has been blitzing teams and pressuring them and forcing their quarterbacks to do dumb stuff because you're in their face. They're getting sacked. We saw that in the Michigan game. We saw that especially in the Michigan game. A lot of linebackers going crazy in that game. Blitz. Like, Alabama has proven that they cannot handle five, six guys flying at their O-line. And, and I know that leaves you out of weakness in your defensive backfield and your coverage and everything because you don't have as many people back there. But if the linebackers in the pass rush is able to get to Bryce Young so fast that he can't do anything. It doesn't matter. So I really don't. And, and we saw, we saw in that, in that Bama game, the few times that Georgia decided to, it seemed like in that third quarter, they started just blitzing and everything like that. That's where Bama started struggling offensively and it became more of a defensive game for Bama. So I do think that you blitzing Bryce Young or Georgia blitzing Bryce Young is going to be, very, very big. I don't know why you would get away from that in one of your biggest games, which is what happened in the SEC championship. They have to blitz and stick to what they know. Run the ball, blitz, play defense. Do you, do you think that Georgia blitzed too much in that game? In the Bama game? Yeah. I don't think they blitzed enough. To me, it didn't even seem like the blitz was really happening until third quarter really because like, i felt i felt like that was more alabama just did a great job of handling the blitz because they did a good i job of I, handling. I was i was sitting in the end zone and i saw the kobe dean and quay walker and channing tyndall coming up the middle a lot and they were just being stopped by a max protect from alabama and, and you know i i think that that was a huge key as to why Alabama was able to um, step or bound, or Bryce Young was able to step outside because Alabama was able to um, stop that blitz up the middle. And that's that was the most frustrating thing was that they were able to get to him and, and Georgia really didn't have any answers uh, in that second quarter, which is where most of the damage was done. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that Georgia blitzed a decent amount, but not enough. Like, to me, Georgia has been blitzing almost every play. When you watch them on, on most games and things like that, it, at least one guy is coming almost every single play. So, and, and, and I think that Alabama has been proven that when you overload some of those linemen, they can't handle it. Like it's in that Auburn game, it was so obvious. We were getting murdered by that blitz. So I don't, I don't understand why Georgia can't drop some more creative blitzes, maybe doing some controlled blitz where you, you blitz, but you only stay a certain distance. So you don't let those open gaps in, in, in running lanes. So Bryce Young can squirt out and, and make a play with his legs or even extend plays with his leg, with, um, 
with his legs and arms and stuff like that. So I don't, I, I would like to see Georgia do some more. Well, I wouldn't like it. Georgia would like to see <laughs> Georgia do some yeah. more <laughs> um, creative blitzes, get some guys maybe on the edge that don't run too far upfield and just kind of close the pocket around him. Because I think that would be really the best way to attack Bryce Young. Like you said, you go up the middle, Bryce Young will run out on the edge. And if you go up the edge, Bryce Young is not afraid to step up and make a throw in the middle of the pocket. So he's going to have to be a, some type of controlled chaos type blitz. But I do think that blitzing needs to happen more often because that just puts more pressure on Bryce and that O-line, which is already injured, like we talked about. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, with all these injuries that Alabama has blitzing from the outside will be big. I, I think that, well, Evan Neal is a top five NFL uh, offensive lineman in the draft. Uh, he is a, he's been really the key for this Alabama offensive line. We talked about in the iron bowl, they were able to um, switch, make a switch at center and that was really helpful for them. That was huge for them, actually. Yeah, and we'll see how much that right side of the offensive line is really hurt. We'll see if Georgia is able to take advantage of that. I think it'll be quite interesting, to tell you the truth. But let's go ahead and get to Georgia's final key as well. And I wrote this one down, and I think that – I don't know. I don't know how much this is going to play a factor in this game. I don't know how much uh, I'm just – making out making it out but i wrote down ignore the outside noise obviously we know about stetson bennett's story he got rid of his iphone traded it in for a flip phone has gotten rid of his social media so he's been able to block out the outside noise obviously Uh, he still hears it you can tell by his press conference how he felt a little salty about how some of these fans have been treating him including myself um I've been one of his biggest critics all season long, but what is one thing that Georgia fans have said this year? I'll answer that for you. If not now, then when, if not now, then when, because Ohio state was in sort of a reloading year this year, they're not in the playoffs. Clemson was in a complete rebuild this year. They weren't there. Alabama lost a lot from last year's team. Obviously, this is not and really you've seen, them. you've seen an obvious struggle from Alabama. Yeah. And, and Oklahoma fell off too. So for Georgia, this is just it felt like this year it they've just dominated everybody. And fans are just on pins and needles for every single game because it's been 41 years. And you know players are hearing that 41 years. You've heard guys like Nolan Smith and James Cook talk about how, how they want to be they want to be the ones remembered, not the 1980 team. And that's not to take away from the 1980 team, but we've celebrated them enough over the past 41 years. I was 18 years not born. For, I don't know how to I, – I know that's not the correct grammar, but I was – I was still 18 years away from being born when Georgia won the national championship. I don't know anything about that. So Georgia fans have just 
been starving for a national championship. They have been, um, they have, we have just been harping all year long about if not now, then when. So just go, I know it sounds cliche, but just go out and play football. Just go out and try and win this game. It's obviously not just another game. It's the national championship game, but just go out and try and win a football game and then see where that leads you. And I, and I think that is important for Georgia. Don't let the pressure get to you. Stop thinking about the fact that you're playing Alabama and your recent record against Alabama and how the last few games have went against them. Stop thinking about Stetson versus JT. Stop thinking about this, that, who, whoever, what says or whatever. That, that can't get to you. And don't let these outside sources hype you up. Because I, I've seen, I told Chase before the show, there's a lot of people who are picking Georgia for this game. We saw NBA TNT game crew, Shaq and Chuck, Shaq and Charles Barkley, Shannon Sharp even tweeted it out. I think Skip Bayless tweeted it out as well. Um, I think it was, I want to say it was Desmond Howard on the game day crew, Paul Feinbaum, like everyone, there's a lot of people that are picking Georgia to win based off of what Georgia did in the Michigan game and the fact that most teams most of the time when two teams play twice in a season, the same team doesn't win both times. So, and, and you can't listen, you can't listen to that. You can't let that hype your head. You can't let that affect how you play or make you feel more pressured. You can't think about the fact that you haven't, they haven't won a championship in 40 years. None of that affects you. None of that means anything to you. That, that championship 40 years ago has nothing to do with the game that you're going to be playing tomorrow night. And you can't let that affect you. And I think that, that is one thing that I think that Kirby needs to get better at is, is being able to twist the media and, and their message and portray it to his team in the way that he wants it to. And I think that's one of the best thing that Saban does. And I've, and I've said this multiple times. He is so, so good at taking, oh, this person said this and this person said this and this person said this and putting it in front of Alabama players' faces to the point where they come in feeling disrespected but they're not so disrespected and hyped up that they're like jumping up and down on the sideline and everything like they're disrespected and they're going to, they're going to beat you silently. This is a a business trip. And I think that's the difference between smart and saving is that smart wants to hype you up. He wants to make you angry to the point that you might go over there and try to knock someone's head off. He wants you to, he wants you to not just win. He wants you to beat their ass. Exactly. Saban wants you to wants you to understand that they think they're better than you and now you have to go prove why they're not right he doesn't want to hype you up to knock someone's head off he wants to hype you up to prove to everyone else that they're wrong so saving and 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 that's what i and and that's what i think your third key is ignore the hype or whatever and if i were to give a fourth honorable mention key for bama it would be to absolutely buy into everything listen to the fact that they have called you underdogs listen to the fact that all these teams are saying that georgia's gonna win and they're ignoring the fact that what happened the first game and all that other stuff and listen to the fact that jordan davis and georgia's defense are calling bryce young the gingerbread man i don't even know what that means but you can find a way to make that that sound disrespectful means i think that's a compliment i don't know what that means either i have no idea but i feel like it's kind of a compliment they said it was from hard knocks in the colts but i haven't seen that so i don't i I haven't been what the reference is for but 
Bama find out a way to make that disrespectful. If you want to tell Bryce that means they're calling him soft, tell him that, please. So I just I want to hear all disrespect and I want to hear it come back because the rat poison quote by saving the rat poison you gave us this week was yummy. <laughs> well, the rat poison we the rat poison we gave prior to the SEC championship was probably great. Delicious. But, yeah. I Another part of the outside noise is, is not just the fact that we're starving for a national championship. It's the fact that you're hearing everybody. I told you about last, I told you about last week um, after during the fourth quarter of the game, it wasn't about, Oh, Michigan had a great year. Georgia came in um, as uh, needing something to prove oh, yeah. and they proved it. It was all about, can Georgia finally get over the hump and beat Alabama? Can uh, Georgia hasn't done this against Alabama since 2007. Alabama's won the last seven matchups against Georgia. Here's what happened. Here's second and 26 for the 80 millionth time. Here is the here's the uh, next year when Jalen Hurts comes back in and takes over the game. It wasn't about Georgia winning the Orange Bowl. It was about can Georgia finally get over the hump and beat Alabama? And you got to ignore that. You got to take out all of this noise about uh, if not now, then when, and if Georgia can beat Alabama, because I do think that Georgia can beat Alabama. I do think that it kind of gets into everybody's head that it's, we all know it's Georgia, Alabama and everybody else. Obviously we've said that since week three, but you have to be able to, look at Alabama and think that you could beat them. You can't be intimidated by Ignore Alabama. Ignore the fact that the A is on them. They're, that's exactly. not Alabama. Play them like they're playing Vanderbilt. Like. And everybody says, no, we're not intimidated by Alabama and, and all of that. But you have to think that at, at some point, somebody is, is thinking, oh, my God, we have to do this. And you start pressing. So – it's not just the outside noise isn't just about if not now, then when for winning a national championship, it's about, can you beat Alabama? Can you actually beat this team? Can Kirby smart get over the hump and beat Nick Saban? That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. But let's go ahead before we go and give our picks for this game. Justin, I'll let you start. I'm, this is so hard for me, and I'm not picking a low score because I don't think it'll go that way, but I think that – and, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm biased. I know I am biased, but it, based off of what happened last time, if Alabama is able to repeat, and I told you the biggest thing is pressure Stetson. That is the most important thing overall. If Alabama is able to do that, I'm going to say Alabama 38, Georgia 28. Ooh, okay. I, and I don't think – and that's not that's not me trying to disrespect. No, Georgia. no, no, no. I, I just know that – I don't know. I see Stetson make a lot of mistakes, and usually when those mistakes they're, – they're so costly against a team like Bama. Absolutely. Like, make you pay for it. Absolutely. And, you know, for the past – seven matchups that Georgia has played Alabama since beating them back in 07. I have chosen Georgia to win this game. 
I have thought, okay, it's finally time for Georgia, specifically 2015. Um, I feel like in 2017, Georgia was just happy to be in the national championship. I know for me, it was just like, I feel like we're going to be back here again. Exactly. I know we're going to be back here again. So the season is already a special season, but now it's national championship or bust. And I've kind of made the mistake the past couple of times Georgia's played Alabama and I've talked trash to you because it was right after the Ole Miss game. And it was right after the iron bowl where I famously said that Alabama is where I famously left Alabama out of my top four. And it's my favorite um, thing about Georgia fans. They get hype after all you have to see is you get one good game and it's we're world beaters I, again. I'm not, I'm not making that mistake again. And I'm going to try a little bit of reverse psychology here and see if it helps. Um, and I'm going to choose Alabama in this game. I'm going to say 23 to 19. I think Georgia is able to find um, an adjustment on defense. But at the same time, this Alabama offense is going to score its points. And, you know, the thing for me is Georgia's going to be down in this game at some point. I, I said in last show for Stetson Bennett, he proved me wrong. I ate the crow for the Orange Bowl. He was fantastic in that game. He dominated from the very beginning. The whole team dominated from the very beginning, and it was led by him. But he's going to be forced to be in some third and long situations. He's going to be forced to throw the ball in this game. Um, Georgia's not going to have uh, – Georgia's going to be down in this game. I, I've said it since last show, and he needs to prove me wrong in that situation. It's a battle of the quarterbacks, in my opinion, and Bryce Young is the better quarterback. I have Alabama 23-19. to 19 little reverse psychology for everyone to see if that helps. But you got anything else for this game? Nah, like you said, I mean, Georgia has – They, I will say this. Georgia has led in a lot of those games against Bama other than I think the last two have led most of the time in those games and ended up losing. So I'm not sure how much – that would mean, but I I do see what you're doing here with the reverse psychology. You're making me think. <laughs> let me let me just ask you a question before we go. For Georgia fans, I feel like this is everything, but at the same time, I'm feeling this like calmness because I haven't really watched pregames or I haven't really watched like college football live. I haven't watched any of the game day crew really. I haven't really listened to anything this week. I've just kind of blocked it out. Uh, I watched the press conferences yesterday, but that was about it. Um, so I'm feeling this kind of calmness. I'm not really like um, feeling the nerves yet. I guess it hasn't really hit me, especially because the game is on a Monday night, which is weird. Yeah, um, I hate that. But for Georgia fans, this is everything. I feel like, like if, like, again, like I said, this is, if not now, then when. So this game is so important to all the Georgia fans. What is this game like for Alabama? Are you feeling like if we don't win this, eh, it's okay, we'll just be back next year? I mean, for me, as an Alabama fan, it's a little bit different. I've, they know, fans know, I've, I've lived and grown up in Georgia. I hate Georgia. I love every time that Georgia 
loses a game where I get to make fun of Georgia, I'm going to do it to the extreme because I love it. I love to see Georgia fans in pain. Like it just, I, I do not like Georgia. I really don't. Like I hate hearing how about the dogs. I hate all that stuff. So I never want to see Alabama lose against Georgia. But if Georgia were in this championship, not playing Alabama, I might root for them. I'm not going to lie. I might, I might root for them just for the fact that Georgia fans can shut up about the national championship or whatever. It might be a hard route for it really depends on who they're playing, because honestly, when Georgia plays any team, I hope they lose. <laughs> like, I hope y'all lose. <laughs> so I just it for me, it's different, but it will never be just eh, or like or whatever if we don't win or whatever, like blah, 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 blah. One of the things that I hate the most is that Tua never won a championship as a starting quarterback. He won the championship coming in and everything like that and, and all this other stuff. And I don't want to see that happen to Bryce. Bryce is a sophomore and, and we, who knows what happens next year and things like that. And I hate that about, and, I, and that really bothered me that Tua couldn't do that because Tua is one of my favorite and one of the best quarterbacks that Alabama has ever had. And, and I really don't want to see that happen to Bryce. I think he deserves to win the championship. I think a lot of TP players on this team deserve to, to get – another ring or a ring as a starter it's things like that so uh, it, it's never going to be and for me but if Alabama is to lose I will respect Georgia to the point where I'm, I'm not gonna like pitch a fit or make excuses and stuff like that like I will I will give it to Georgia and I will say that Alabama got beat and everything and and not apologize because I haven't said anything to apologize for really that I don't think but um yeah, I, I do think that 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 I it's not like I'll be indifferent, but I won't be as mad as I think people other people would feel like Alabama when you're I told you I say this all the time when you're a team at the top upsets happen like those regular games you get beat in they're always going to be an upset. So it's not like you're just like, like the, this the end of the world because you lose and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I just. I wanted to get an Alabama fan's perspective because I think that they're, I think y'all are the cockiest fan base and you have every right to be cocky about it. I think y'all complain too much. And mine is a silent. I I really, I really think that if Alabama is um, Alabama fans in 10 years or I guess 40 years when Nick Saban finally retires and the dynasty (laughs) is over, um, Alabama fans, a lot of them are going to take for granted the greatness that is Nick Saban. So, oh yeah, um, I I really this game, like I said, is everything for Georgia fans. Um, and you know, for Alabama, it's like we'll be back, but for Georgia, it's like when are we going to be back? And I think that they can be back. I think that they are still one of the four best teams every year. But you got to get past Alabama, and until until that happens, Georgia fans are going to be on pins and needles. But guys, that's going to be the show for us today. Um, we are just a couple. We are just one day away from this national title, and ugh, God, I now okay. Now it's starting to hit me. Yeah, I'm starting <laughs> to I'm starting to to feel the nerves, um, and. I don't feel nerves until right at kickoff. I don't yeah. know why. That's just and, how I am. 
And uh, so that's going to be the show for us today. We'll hopefully be back with a little bit of NBA talk, maybe a little bit of NFL talk once college football is over. I'm seeing a trade. I'm seeing a lot of trade ideas for Cam Reddish. So I'm really sort of feeling angry about that. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. But let's go ahead and get this. Hopefully, I am wrong for this national championship pick. Um, And uh, hopefully, we get this huge monkey off our back, this huge weight lifted off our shoulders. Steve Young said, get him off my back. (laughs) Yeah. For Justin, I'm Chase. This has been Let's Get It. Deuce, deuce.